Amen. Good morning. God bless you for being here today. Glad to see you at Grace Point this morning. Once you turn around, step across the aisle, just greet somebody, shake their hands, make them feel welcome, Grace Point family, and uh, let them know we appreciate them being here today. y'all welcome to grace point i want to just give a shout out to miss jill young who done so well this year in her real estate career that she did 1.2 million dollars and received a plaque for it and we are so so proud if y'all knew where she started from with just not even knowing how to do an email this woman has done miracles and it's for the power of god that's done it and we just praise him for it. So congratulations. I love you. Amen. Yeah, when my wife started in real estate a couple of years ago, she didn't, she'd never even fooled with the computers. She never wanted to mess with any of that. Never even, just didn't know anything about that. And uh, so it's just pretty cool to uh, watch her progress and all that. Uh, and Jennifer... Is, is the one that trained her. I tell you, she's just such a precious, precious lady. We love her and Jimmy so much. Amen. Acts chapter 5, if you have your Bible, want to, uh, we'll read through these, a little bit more scriptures than we normally do, but I'll just read these. Uh, today, I'm uh, going to be a little bit different in, in the sense that I'm just going to try to answer some questions that have come in. Uh, actually, I've gotten this question uh, several times lately, and I decided, hey, I'd just go ahead and take and devote a, uh, a Sunday to ask, uh, answer it, because um, I get asked this one fairly often, because we, you know, we believe in the grace of God, the mercy of God, and uh, this is after the cross, after the resurrection of Jesus, and uh, I get asked this a lot, well, what about Ananias and Sapphira? Uh, did God kill them? Uh, and if he did, where's the grace at uh, for these guys? And then I get asked, and I'm going to try to deal with that one too, if we have time about Herod. Did God kill Herod? Uh, and we see that in Acts uh, 12. And did, you know, so where's, where's God's grace? Let me just say God's grace is where it's always been. Uh, and this is really, sometimes people say, well, I want to ask you a hard question, Pastor. And, uh, and I don't mean this arrogantly, but it's not a hard question. It's a very easy question. And, and you need to be aware that I am aware of all these scriptures that seem to be um, challenging to some people when I passionately preach the grace of God. So there's nothing in my heart that even remotely uh, distracts me from with full 100% confidence preaching God's grace. So these scriptures are not talking about his children. They're not talking about us. They're not doctrinal positions and statements but, but we'll read it and, uh, and get into it. In verse 1, but a certain man named Ananias, Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Now, let me just say this. I should have said this prior. In Acts 4, everybody has all things common. There's a communal lifestyle going on. Everybody's sharing everything they have. No person's lacking. No person needs anything. It's just a, a very specific, unique uh, moment in the early, early uh, this church. And so that's what's going on. So these people, Ananias and Sapphira, see this going on there. They're trying to take advantage of what's going on there. And it said in verse 2, and he kept back part of the proceeds from the land that he sold, his wife also being aware of it. So she was in on the deal and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose, wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. 
Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carried her out and buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. And um, when I was coming up in church, uh, well, not coming up necessarily, but particularly in the 80s, early 90s, in the, in the, I would hear this a lot, and I still hear this preached today. I still hear this, quote, prophesied today. Uh, and it, it would kind of go like this. Well, the days of Ananias and Sapphira are going to come again upon the last day church. And uh, people are going to start dropping dead in the house of the Lord. And, and this is going to cause a great fear and people just, you know, straighten up, I guess. What a way to build a church, right? Hey, come to our church. You might drop dead. Uh, it's just really that ridiculous. Uh, but I would hear this a lot, you know, said the days of Ananias and Sapphira are coming on the church again. And, and uh, in Acts 4, if you're familiar with that chapter, the disciples had prayed a prayer. They was in a prayer meeting. They prayed this prayer. And when they did it, the Bible says, and the whole place where they were assembled was shaken. Uh, just, the, just the power of God just shook, literally shook the building, I guess, and where they were assembled, it said the whole place was shaking. And so I would hear, I'd hear people say this a lot, that if you want the place to, to shake when you pray, then people die when they lie. That was kind of going saying in the church. If you want the place to shake when you pray, then people will die when they lie. And so that's what I want to, to talk about today, and how does this fit in with the message of the grace of God? Amen. I'm going to let you go ahead and be seated, and we're just going to get right into it. Amen. Uh, I think it's very important. Now, to me, the Ananias and Sapphira incident is, uh, can be challenging if you don't have a foundation of grace and understanding uh, in your heart. Uh, but I think that it is essential that you stay true, that we stay true to the text in other words, you don't read anything into it. You don't insert anything into the text. You let the text speak for itself and only say what the text says. Is that fair? So you don't add your own, uh, you know, thoughts in there. You don't, you don't uh, make a supposition about something, supposing something is in there that's not there. Let's just stick with what it says. So the first thing, it never says that God killed them. It, it doesn't say that. But if you've got a view that God's a killer, then you'll see that God killed them in there. Uh, I, some people just have a burning desire to know their, their cause of death. Uh, there are some things that you're just not going to know. And uh, as I told our leadership, I think it was this past week when we met, I'm very comfortable in Scripture of saying about passages in the Bible, I don't know. That don't bother me at all. Although I've spent you know, uh, well over 40 years studying the Word of God, 34 years plus preaching the Word of God, but there's still things I do not know, and I'm comfortable with that, okay? I'm not God. He is. He's smarter than us, and He knows more than we know, and you're never going to figure God out or understand every aspect and every, everything. But it does not say in this passage that God killed them, and so you, it just says that they fell dead. Now, uh, it never says, a lot of people make the assumption or the jump that, that they, these are Christians, that Ananias and Sapphira were Christians, and, uh, you know, therefore God judged his kids. So if God judged them and killed them for lying, why did he just pick on those two guys? Because I want to tell you, people have been lying about money, in, you know, in the church ever since. Okay, so I've seen, I've seen it. I've seen that happen. I remember in 2014 in Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, because this made the news, uh, a uh, pastor there that had been the pastor of that church, he started the church himself in 1967. He was the founding pastor. But anyway, unfortunately, he had had an affair with, with uh, someone there in the church, and uh, it, had, it had gotten out, 
And I, my understanding was that it was a fair that wasn't going on currently, but one that had happened prior to at some point. But the word about that had gotten out, and on that uh, Sunday in March of 2014, he asked the church members to stay on after the Sunday service concluded, and then he confessed to his church about the affair. As he was confessing about the affair and all, uh, the news article that I read said people began to shout, but they wasn't shouting like they were against him. They were shouting, we still love you, Pastor. You know, you're still, <laughs> they were doing that kind of a deal. But anyway, he dropped dead. He had a heart attack and died. And, um, but the news reporter didn't say God killed him. And I didn't hear anybody in any of the articles or even in the church say God killed him, but then there was an assumption. Say, well, this guy committed, uh, uh, had an affair, he confessed to it, and he died, so therefore God must have killed him. Uh, so and then if you're not careful, you'll develop a doctrine that everybody commits affair, that God kills them. Can I tell you that that's not the truth? Unfortunately, doing this as long as I have, I've sat in meetings with my apostolic team where pastors did the same thing that were even in my network, confessed to an affair, and they still breathed. And they got to walk right on out the building. So God's not killing people for their sin. Why? Because Jesus was the Lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world. Now, you got to understand this. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Okay, who died on the cross? Okay, so the wages of sin is death. Jesus paid the wages. There's no more wages. Okay? Um, what it says in verse 3 is that it says Satan filled their heart. Peter said to him, Satan, why, Satan has filled your heart. Last time I checked, Satan cannot feel the heart of a believer. So there's not a doubt in my mind that Ananias and Sapphira are unbelievers. They are not Christians. They are not believers. Uh, they, their heart is filled with Satan. And, they, and how many believes this, that God knows everything? You still believe that? Do you believe he knows the heart of all men? Do you believe he knows what men are going to do in the future? He knows even with all of his wooing and, and, and reaching out to them whether they will accept him or not. Do you believe that God knows the Pharaohs? That he knows no matter how many signs they see, all they're going to do is harden their heart against him. Does he know that? Sure he does. And so you, you, you have to allow an allowance for God to be God uh, in, in situations that we don't understand. Now, this is not some doctrine or some, you know, example here to say, okay, this is the way God's going to deal with, with people that lie in the church or whatever, because obviously it's not. Why just pick on these two? And I've heard all kind of ridiculous comments is, is why God did this. And, but, you know, like I've always told you, if you ask a wrong question, you get a wrong answer. So, you know, if your, if your question is wrong, so, and I know I, can, I should think of a better one to keep it fresh, but if I walked up to any husband in here and I said, I want to ask you a question, and, you know, and he goes, okay. I, want, I said, here's my question. Have you stopped beating your wife yet? Yes or no? Okay, if he says yes, he said, yes, I've stopped beating her, that means he used to beat his wife. But if he says no, then it means he's still beating his wife. So what does the question do? It indicts him as a wife beater. So when you and I say questions to God like this, God, why did you let this happen to me? You already got God tried and convicted that he's one behind it. So it's not that God's messed up, your question's messed up. Your understanding of, of God is messed up. And so you're, you're coming at God with your questions like you deserve an answer, and God won't never, have, he don't have to answer your questions because you've got him indicted and guilty of something that he's not guilty of. And so... So, so you got to keep that in mind when you're dealing with, with passages and places like this. Now, God does discipline his children, and, I, and that's a whole other message, and I don't have time this morning to get into the examples and so forth about God's discipline of his children. But the word discipline means training, teaching them. Uh, it, and so God's discipline is never punitive. It's never for punishment for the past. In other words, God's discipline is not punishment for the past, but it's training for your future. And so God does discipline like any good father, uh, his children. And so I could give you all kind of verses. I mean, I, I could give you easily 20-plus verses to show you that, that it is ridiculous that God's, you know, you know, killing these guys because of their sin of lying uh, to him, to, to God. 
but uh, Psalm 103, verse 10, it says God doesn't punish us as our sins deserve. That's not how God deals with us. Uh, Isaiah 53 and 5 is prophesying of Jesus. The latter portion of that, uh, verse 19, says God's not counting people's sins against them. Uh, the punishment that what brought, uh, in Isaiah 53 and 5, the punishment that brought us peace was on Jesus, was on him. In other words, he, he bore the price and the penalty. And 2 Corinthians 5, 19 says God doesn't uh, count, remember our sins against us anymore. He doesn't keep a record of our trespasses. And, uh, and yet God gets accused of doing that, and we say ridiculous things like the Holy Spirit, you know, is convicting me of my sin. Well, the Holy Spirit's God. We see that in Acts 5. He said, you do not lie to, the, you, you lied to God, you know, to the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, how many knows the Holy Spirit is God? And, uh, and so the Holy Spirit's not reminding you of what God said he don't keep a record of. Okay? So, so the very good news of Jesus is that your sins, my sins, even the sins of Ananias and Sapphira, the sins of the Connecticut pastor, uh, were condemned on the cross uh, by God as Jesus Christ bore that penalty for that. And, uh, and, and all of his wrath, according to Romans 8 and 3, was poured out up in the flesh. God dealt with it once and for all at Calvary. And he's paid the price for that. And you go, well, why do these people die? Well, if we didn't have Sapphira piled up in there, we could just say when Ananias heard that, he didn't realize that, you know, his little little plot his little scheme was going to be revealed and when he heard that he had a heart attack and died that'd be pretty logical reasonable assumption to make but then we see his wife come in three hours later and Peter has discernment on that or whatever and he actually says to her you know the men that carried your husband out standing at the door waiting to carry you out also now, that seems to be some involvement there. You see what I'm saying? So we got to do justice to it. You got to say, okay, well, wait a minute now. Peter, Peter apparently knows she's supposed to drop dead as well. And so then the, the logical thing, well, you know, uh, did Peter kill her? Did, did, did God kill her? Listen, you're trying to answer a question that's not answered in the Scripture. It just says they fell dead, and you got to leave it that they fell dead. But if you want to just say, well, I don't, I don't buy that. I, I'm, God's involved with it. Okay. God's going to protect his kids. And you're not Ananias and Sapphira. So this ain't got nothing to do with you. This is not God putting something in the Bible saying this is how I'm going to deal with you. Actually, the wrath of God should bring great comfort to the Christian. Uh, man, I tell you what, if we could ever grasp, some of us, you know, just got these little grandbabies. Man, what, what a rocky world. Don't we love them little grandbabies? I, I love them. And uh, I, it's, it's been a while back, been months ago, and uh, actually I've had a couple incidences with, uh, uh, we call her Ad, Addie Boo, but my little Addie, uh, Kristen's little daughter, she's uh, just turned four, and uh, I remember one time she just screaming, I'm talking about where she was doing this, just screaming, that, that real horror scream, you know what I'm saying, scared to death, like, because a spider was coming at her. Now, she don't like no kind of bugs. It don't matter what kind of bug is. Now, she's all right as long as it's a far off. But if it's in close proximity, she does a little freak out. And so I remember on one occasion, the spider's coming to her, and she's just screaming, well, I'm taking off, man, because that's my, that's my heart crying out. And I could tell just from the, this ain't a, this ain't a wimpy cry. This is a terrified horror cry. And, and so I just see the spider, and I just, I was barefooted. I just stomped him. Wasn't no big deal. You know, just killed the spider. Now, if you observe that, you could say, well, he's against all spiders. That I am an anti-spider person. See, me killing the spider had really nothing to do with the spider as much as it had to do with you scaring my grandbaby. Spider might be cool, and it might be good to be called Spider-Man, but you ain't going to scare my grandbaby. Because then I'm going to protect her from the trauma and the horror of you crawling on her with your eight legs. Okay? Won't even talk about buying. But you see what I'm saying? And, and so sometimes we see these kind of things in scripture. Do you understand what I'm saying? So all you saw would be me coming and killing the spider. I remember another time uh, 
we had one of these lizards that, you know, we have these lizards that try to visit in the garage and stuff. And one of those freaked her out one time. I mean, he had to pay the ultimate penalty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not like I just hate every lizard I see, but you scare my grandbaby, it's going to cost you. Because I'm, I'm going to protect her from the hurt or the trauma of that. Now, what I'm saying to you is when it comes like to Herod, and I'll talk about that in just a second, you and I are not spiders. You're not Ananias and Sapphira. You're not. Do you, do you realize that how much time that I have spent in 34 years of preaching the gospel with people, and I'm not m mad about it, but do you realize how many times I have been confronted by people with tears coming down their face saying they think they blasphemed the Holy Spirit? They've committed the unpardonable sin. And I'm like, you're standing here crying. That's proof. That's enough proof in itself you hadn't done that. You can't, you, you can't, you can't do that. You've got to understand about God. Uh, but when you set yourself against God, in other words, you're not his kid. You set yourself against God. See, we forget sometimes John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. I just preached about it, what, last Sunday or Sunday before last, John 3, 17. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. And, and, but then the next verse, but him that believeth in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. They're already condemned. The wrath of God is already upon them because they're not receiving the remedy for that to be taken care of. The only way that that's taken care of is through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith in him, then see, all of our punishment and everything is in, you know, all that judgment, our judgment's in the past. We're not looking to, all our judgment now that's ahead of for the believers, just your rewards. So a rewards banquet. That's all you got coming. That's the truth. Because your judgment has already been rendered through Jesus Christ. Jesus bore the punishment and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. He's already paid. But if you don't put your faith in him, you're going to stand there on your own accord. You're going to reject the only remedy. You're going to reject the only salvation. And you're going to stand there and just be your own savior. See how that works out for you. It's not going to be good. Because you can't pay for that. It's already been paid for. But you can reject that. You can trample the blood of Jesus underfoot, Hebrews says, and count it as an unholy thing, unworthy, accomplishing nothing. And many people as Christians live their life like the cross made no difference, like it made absolutely no difference. The cross changed everything. The cross changed everything. And so you, we, we, you, have, to, you have to understand that, that, that just like me, you know, uh, killing that spider, I'm just protecting my grandbaby. And, and God's wrath is a reaction to something. Um, and, and so th those who accuse God of killing sinners uh, are confused about the cross. God doesn't kill sinners. He's come to save sinners. God doesn't hate sinners. Uh, he loves them. And, in fact, that's what made the Pharisees an awesome mad because they, they accused him of, of, of loving sinners. And, and he did, and he still does. But God, the Bible says he demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. And he said in another passage that his dying for us was a demonstration of how much he loved us. And that's Romans uh, 5 and verse 8. And so if God killed Ananias and Sapphira, if God did that, then the Bible's, uh, you know, for that lie, I'm saying, then the Bible's wrong and Jesus ain't the Lamb of God because he didn't take away the sin of the world. And they had to pay for their own deal. And that's not, that's not what the Bible teaches. So there's no shortage of sinners in the world, right? So why would God just kill one couple and leave the rest of people alone? I know a lot of people need killing. I'm being kind of truthful. Um, no, God's not running around killing people. I mean, I've, I've had people just obstinate and just lie and say, you know, I don't care what the Bible says. I mean, it's like, okay, you heard of God. You know, okay, took care. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's just, it's just ridiculous. You know, can you, can you imagine the horror that would take place in 2020 
if I call somebody up and said, you lied to God, and they drop dead. I'm, I'm going to be cuffed, hauled off. <laughs> There's going to be an investigation. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's just ridiculous. That's not the way God's going to build the church. Okay, you know, you know, they've had an ice and fire upon us, you know. People are going to drop dead, you know. Y'all come to church. Hallelujah. Just, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. Uh, I've heard people say, well, God did that, you know. He had an ice and fire to, to purify the, this little, you know, infant baby church, you know, to make an example of these hypocrites. Or somehow he gave Peter the power himself to render that judgment on his own. So, like, then that's ridiculous because that's kind of like Peter then is a, is a gangster initiation mafia guy. And he got to kill a couple of people, you know, to prove his bona fides, you know. And, you know, you know it's, just, it's, just, it's just a uh, ridiculous presumption of people. And, uh, the, the, but if God would know the purpose for Ananias and Sapphira getting involved in that uh, church, their hearts are filled with Satan. So they have a satanic heart. They're coming into this church and they're trying to establish themselves in that congregation for some purpose and God would already know what that would be. And it could be, it could be uh, that, that that judgment was a reaction to what they were about to do in that, in that church. And God was protecting his kids. Uh, God will do that. God will protect his, his children. Uh, Acts chapter 12 uh, is, we have this about Herod. Now Herod, when, keep in mind when you hear the word Herod in the Bible, that doesn't mean there's just one guy. Okay, there was the Herod that was there when Jesus was born. And then there's the Herod 2 and there's Herod number 3. So, uh, you know, there's different ones. The one we're talking about here is he's actually Herod Agrippa the first. And uh, he's the son of the Herod that was around when Jesus was a baby. But uh, it says in verse 12, I mean, uh, verse 1 of Acts 12, Now about that time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Bad move, dude, because God still loves his church. All right, now this guy's not a Christian. This guy's a demonic, mean, cruel murderer. So now he set his target on God's church, and he's going to harass the church. And then in verse 2, then he killed James, the brother of John. Remember James and John, sons of thunder? So he kills James of John, uh, kills James, the brother of John, with the sword. So he executes this guy. And this was a great apostle. This is one of Jesus' 12 apostles. And Herod murders him, just kills him. Man, that shook up the church. I want to tell you it did. And uh, because, verse 3, he saw it pleased the Jews who were anti-Christ, anti-against Jesus, he proceeded further. Then he arrested Peter also. And now it was during the days of unleavened bread. What that means is that the Jews didn't allow any kind of killings to go on during their, their feast, their holy days. And so Herod didn't want to violate their custom, so he's not going to kill him until after the feast is passed. That's going to be a, a seven-day feast. And so he puts Peter in jail he chains him to the wall, and he actually chains, chains him between two guards that are chained to Peter. So you get the imagery. So this is a, this is a guy that they're not going to let get away. Herod's not going to let this guy get away. And as soon as this feast is over in seven days, he's going to kill him just like he did James. This guy's a murderer. And, uh, but in verse 6, it says when Herod was about to bring him out to kill him, it says that night Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers. Now, I find that interesting as a side note, that here is a guy sleeping, awaiting his execution. I mean, how many, I think about that kind of stuff. How many of us, you know, okay, they're going to kill you in the morning, but you're going to go ahead and get your nap out. <laughs> going to get your sleep on. <clears throat> Man, that's, that, that's, that's, some, that's some peace and presence from God, that knowing, knowing that, that God's got this. And Peter's like, I don't know what y'all going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to sleep. So Peter's asleep. There's two soldiers that are chained to him, and the guards are at the door keeping the prison, watching over. Verse 7, now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. 
And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Now, in verse 11, it says, When Peter had come to himself, he said, Now, right after that, he, he, Peter didn't know if this was a vision he was seeing or a dream he was having, but it was literal. Verse 11 says, When Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord had sent his angel, has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of the Jewish people. Now, the, I want you to see this, and I pray this encourages you. I want you to see the, the supernatural power of God in play for God to rescue one of his kids. Do you see that? So, thank you. So, so do you see what God's doing to the lengths that God goes to to deliver Apostle Peter out of the prison? Now, that's got to encourage you. Now, he can do that for you. He can do that for you. He can do it literal, physical. He, he can do whatever. Now, verse 19 says, but when Herod had searched for him, in other words, Herod puts on this big search for Peter because he's gone. The Bible says that when they, that angel woke Peter up, says, come on, the chains fell off. They go through one door. It opens up. They go to the gate of the city. It opens up of its own accord. And then the, the church was praying for Peter, the church has been rocked because James has been murdered. Now the church is having a prayer meeting so that Peter's not killed. I'm, don't, I'm not sure how much really faith they had in their own prayer meeting. But when Peter got, came out of prison, released by supernatural power of God, he goes straight to that prayer meeting. He knocks on the door. A girl named Rhoda comes to the door. Peter, she's like, who's there? You know, she, you know. And he said, you know, it's Peter, it is I, you know, let me in. Well, she don't even open the door. So she goes running back in there and tells all the people that's praying for his release that Peter is standing at the door. Now listen to what they say to her. That's not him, that's his ghost. What was their faith? That he's already been killed and that's just his spirit. That's his ghost come. Great prayer meeting, Right? Sometimes God moves in spite of us. And so then the Bible says Peter continually kept knocking on the door. It was easier to get out of the prison than it was for Peter to get into the prayer meeting. <laughs> That's the truth. They finally let him in, and when they see him, they all freaking out. And Peter says, you know, he has to tell them, be quiet, hold it down, calm down. And he tells them what the Lord had done for him. And how God had delivered him from the hands of Herod. Now, when Herod heard that Peter was gone, in verse 19, he's searching everywhere for him with his guard. He examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. You see what a nice guy Herod is? So Herod talks to the guards. He don't like their story. He kills all of them. This guy's just on a tear. This guy's murdering people right and left. And it said, and he went down from Judah to Caesarea and he stayed there. What a great thing that was for Herod to visit your town. Now, Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord, having made Blastius, the king's personal aide, their friend. They asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. In other words, they don't care what he's doing, how many people he's killing, just keep the groceries coming. Y'all hear me? Uh, so on a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of God and not of a man. Uh, it's, now they're worshiping this guy. They're worshiping him. They're calling him a God. They're saying he's not a man, he's God. Then immediately in verse 23, the angel of the Lord struck him. Then immediately the angel of the Lord struck him. Now you can't rewrite it. You got to read it like it says. Because he did not give glory to God, and he was eaten by worms and died. Verse 24, but the word of God grew and multiplied. Now, you can't say God's not involved in this. Or it, what you have to say is what the text says, that the angels killed him. Now, I mentioned this the other night in our leadership meeting. So don't, you know, don't throw stuff at me, okay? Just allow me to just say something here. Now, don't say God told the angel to kill him. It just said the angel's standing there. 
he hears all the people hollering, this man ain't, this ain't a man, this is God. And, and when he hears that, the angel just kills him. He kills him. So this is what you, you like how quiet it is. <laughs> so this is what you, <laughs> uh, you're going to love this one. Uh, so you got to have this thought, either God told the angel to kill him, which he'd fallen orders, and he did. Or either the angel just killed him on his own. Can do angels have a free will? Can they do what they want to? Y'all are like y'all don't know. See, I grew up in a church that said angels don't have no free will. They got to do whatever God says. Well, how do you explain Lucifer then? Because Lucifer was an archangel. And he didn't do everything God wanted him to do. He did what he wanted to do. Right? So it, was that just limited just to him or can any angel do what they want to? Any angel can do what they want to when they want to. They can obey or they can disobey. And the Apostle Paul says in the New Testament, in the book of Corinthians, that don't you know us as believers will one day judge the angels? Does it say that, church? It says we will judge angels. That means we are, we are a higher created being than angels are. Angels are ministers set to minister to men on behalf of God. We don't talk to angels, pray to angels, all that kind of stuff. But, but we are a higher class being. Now, I know some of you are thinking probably right now, well, I know a verse in the Bible says we were created a little lower than angels. That's what, your, that's what your English translation says, but in the original language it says we were created a little lower than Elohim. Elohim is God. But the translators got scared with that because they, they engaged their brain and they changed the word Elohim to angels because they were scared at the possibility of the created order of God. So all I'm saying is why even go through the mock judge us that we're going to judge angels? What are we judging them for? What kind of job they did? What do you get judged for on your job? Did you do good? Did you, did you obey the orders? Did you do what was told? Did you do what was asked of you? Listen, God's not setting up in heaven with a remote control. Y'all praise me. Hit the praise dial. God, God's not the puppet, puppet master. Pulling, no, no, he's not doing all that. And the angels have a free choice. They can, I mean, that's the way God's kingdom's designed. So, now I'm not telling you that that's what happened. I'm just saying you got to allow the possibility of that. I mean, that angel. I mean, God's got them programmed and everything. Like when, when Mary said... Uh, you know, how can this be? I mean, Gabriel gave an answer to her questions. He's not following a script there. When Gabriel comes again and meets with Zechariah, the husband of Elizabeth, and he says, even though you guys are old and way past bearing a kid, uh, your wife's going to have a, a son. And he says, well, how do I know this is true? He says, because I'm Gabriel. <laughs> That's what he says. God stand for God. You know, I mean, God don't have this guy script. This angel is responding to the questions and the comments that are being posted. to him. So all we know is the scripture says that the angel of the Lord struck that hair dead right there. And so either the angel did it on his own, which is, I think, a possibility, or God had given orders and said, kill him. Now, why would God do that? Where's, where's the grace in that? Listen, God, did God hate Herod? He didn't hate Herod. Did God pay for Herod's sins? Yes. But see, after it says that Herod did this, I mean, he's done killed, he's done killed James, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's got Peter locked up to kill him, execute him. He's killing his own people, and now he set his target to stand and come against the church. Kill a spider. It's spider killing time. It's not that God hates everybody's name Herod. God said, I'm going to protect what's mine. See, God's wrath should never make you afraid because you're not Herod. I'm not preaching to Herods. I'm not talking to Herods. You're not Herod. You're not some demonic, demon-filled, despot that wants to murder people. And, and so, you know, if I'm at my house and I got my family in there and I get a call that somebody just killed, you know, some of my other family that lives in another part in Brown Austin, now they're on the way to my house and kill me and my family, then I'm not fixing to meet them out there with a Bible. I got a Glock 40 and a lot of clips. 
And I got bigger guns than that if I need them. So I'm, I'm serious. I'm, I'm saying, and so if, I, if they try to come in my house to harm, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them because I'm in the spider killing business. If you're coming against my house, that doesn't make me a murderer. That doesn't take away, well, I thought he was a grace preacher. I am a grace preacher. But you ain't fit to hurt my family. I'm going to protect. That's what God is. God's going to protect his family. And really, if you read the Bible, it's a whole other message. I've taught about it. But when you get to the end of this thing, there is a day of wrath. It's a day. It's one day. It's one day. The day of wrath. But what that is, is, is God protecting his kids. I mean, God puts the, Satan in a pit a thousand years. He, he turns loose. He goes right back to the same stuff. And he comes to attack the church one more again. God says, that's it. Fire consumed, that's it. Ashes, okay, let's go on. That's what the Bible teaches. And so you, got to, you don't have to fear the wrath of God. And, 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 and God's wrath is never, uh, should never scare you because you're not Herod. And this is not setting up some doctrinal deal that this is the way God is. Or, and so listen, I'm aware of all these scriptures and other ones that I could talk about. It has no bearing on the grace message. It doesn't change anything. God's grace and mercy is intact 100% just like it's always been. And you don't have to fear those things. And when you read passages, you'll read some passages sometimes that's translated in our English Bible that seems to be challenging things to you. But God's wrath is, 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 is terrifying to those that, that it's coming upon. You know, I'm sure that when that spider looked up and saw my big, you know, number 11 coming down on his head, he's like, the wrath of God has come from above. <laughs> you know, and all I did just wipe my foot, you know, and go on. Because I'm not after all the spiders in the world. I'm just protecting my grandbaby. Because you're coming against her. You're coming, you're coming against her. And, and so that's, that's the way it is with, with God. And you have to allow God to be a good daddy like that. So he's going to pick. So when people set their heart, when it's in, um, you know, when you get into the word of God, um, you'll see some places that, that are, that are kind of challenging like that. And there's a, there's a passage in, in, the, in the book of Acts where uh, the apostle Paul, uh, he's preaching and it's in Acts chapter 13. <clears throat> and, uh, and he's preaching the gospel and, and, and faith is coming into that church. And then there's a guy that sets himself, it actually said he set himself in opposition to God. And he's a sorcerer. And do y'all remember when the Apostle Paul, uh, on his Damascus experience, it says a great light shone from heaven upon him, and, and, and he was unable to see, uh, actually for several days. Now, it wasn't God was being punitive and punishing this guy, and you go, well, why didn't God kill that guy? Because the Apostle Paul, or Saul, was his Hebrew version of that name, Saul was doing what he thought was a service to God and to the God of Israel. In other words, he's, he's all involved in the law. He thinks Jesus is not the Messiah. And he thinks that by killing Christians or whatever. Now, the Bible never says that, that Paul, that I can find, Saul killed this. It says he was holding the garments when Stephen was stoned to death. They were apparently doing it under Saul's authority that he was granted. And he did imprison uh, Christians, and, and, and he may very well have been responsible for the death of many Christians himself personally, but that's an assumption. But the fact is this, he thought he was doing God a favor. Do you understand that God knows the difference? God knows the difference between a Saul of Tarsus and a Herod, Agrippa I. He knows the difference in those two guys and their heart and what they're up to and what they're doing. Okay, so you got to just, you got to understand that we can't sit there and judge God based on what you don't know. And so uh, God's merciful to this guy. God encounters this guy. Um, it, listen, if God was wanting to kill you, you would never hear the bullet coming. You know what I'm saying? I mean, God's not a killer. God's come to save. Seek and save that. This lost. But he's going to protect his children, protect his church, his house. And so... Uh, so here in Acts 13, we see another deal. 
So the apostle Paul, he's, he's, uh, he wasn't an apostle then, but he's blinded from that light. Uh, God sends a man to him to pray for his eyes. The man's name is Ananias, and he goes and prays for the, uh, Saul. Uh, his name actually means grace or favor of God. I think it's very prophetic. And so, in other words, Paul was blinded by religion. He was blinded by all this legalism. And then the first thing that his eyes see when they are open is grace. What is it that opens men's eyes that are bound by religion? The grace of God. And then, uh, so now Paul is there, and this guy is a sorcerer. Paul is making great inroads with the gospel, and this guy sets himself up. Paul's actually ministering to the what's called the proconsul, a uh, very influential part of, of the leadership. And, and they're coming into the faith and the grace of God. This sorcerer sets himself against Paul and, and tries to oppose him. And, and when that happened, uh, then Paul actually looks at this guy. This is in Acts 13. You can uh, read it. But it says, uh, Paul says to him down uh, in verse 8, he was seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Verse 9, then Saul, who also is called Paul, it says, filled with the Holy Spirit, looking intently at him, he said, listen to what he says to him, O fool of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, uh, you enemy of all righteousness, you, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. You know, like, well, where is faith? Here again, is, this, is, this is a sorcerer. This is not a believer. This is a guy that has set himself in opposition to God's church. He's trying to pervert the church. He is, he is demonically inspired to come against what Paul is doing. And, 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 and God gave Paul the authority to say, that's it. And, and so, now listen to what he didn't do. He didn't put blindness on him and he's blind for the rest of his life. He actually said, you'll be blind and unable to see the sun for a season. So that same kind of light and experience that Saul had, by, listen, by the mercy of God comes upon this sorcerer. So actually what I see here is not God being punitive and mean and judgment and I'm going to get you. Uh, and and he, surely, he, he surely could have died right there. But what I see is him having the same opportunity that Saul had granted to him. What I see is he, this, 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 it says this mist came upon him, this dark mist, and he was unable to see for a season. Remember when the apostle, when Paul could not see Saul, who's called Paul, when he couldn't see for those three days, he, so he couldn't see, but then he, he started seeing better than he ever saw before. You, you understand? So he came into the revelation of the grace of God. Um, now this guy's going to get the same opportunity. He's, gonna, he's not going to be able to see the sun for a season. So maybe when he can't see, maybe he can stop focusing on trying to oppose God and maybe you know, that he'll open his heart to the grace of God and he'll be converted and saved and become a believer as well. That's what I see. I see God's mercy in this. I see God's, God's uh, grace on this guy's life, even giving this sorcerer an opportunity to come to the faith uh, of Jesus Christ. Are you all getting this? And, and so when, when you read passages that are challenging, and sometimes, you know, it's easy because we have heard all these things. Most of us grew up in church, if you heard it. I mean, you were told, you know, absolutely, God killed Ananias. God did this, God did that. And God's been accused of a lot of things that he's not guilty of. And uh, I wish I had known that at a much earlier age. It would have made things a lot more. Because then I thought, well, that's the way God dealt with this guy. Then that's the way God's going to deal with me. And if God would do this to this guy, then God will do the same for me. But you've got to remember again, I'm ending this, but you're not a spider. You're not Herod. You're not the sorcerer. God's dealing with you as he knows you are with kids. Knowing our flesh is weak. He's not talking about somebody that's struggling or somebody that's, you know, that's trying to overcome something in their life. God's not, that's not how God, God's mercy is everlasting. God's grace is sufficient. God has forgiven you of all your sin. Jesus has borne the judgment and chastisement of the sin that you've committed, uh, uh, and he's paid it all. And so you don't have to fear God's wrath. You don't have to, to live like that because the love of God ha has, has been revealed to us through Jesus Christ. And we don't have Satan filling our heart. The, the Bible says the Holy Spirit has filled our heart. The love of God has filled our hearts. 
and it's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Spirit of God. And so it's just a totally different thing. And I hope you, when you, when you, you know, you don't allow people that sometimes, and I'm amazed at people that will, they will spend so much Bible study time to try to find something that they think will dispel the grace message. And it's just ridiculous. It doesn't say that at all. God's, God's word is consistent and, and, and constant in the message that it brings and delivers to us. And, and yeah, there's some instances, but all these things are meant to do is go, look at there, we've got a good daddy, he'll protect us. And I tell you what, if you get locked up and, and, you know, I mean, and it can be spiritual, whatever, but see, God will do whatever. He, God can come into prison and pop the chains. And the guards never see, you, <laughs> never see you leave. You know what I'm saying? I mean, God will deliver you. God will do whatever. You know, sometimes I've had people say, well, when, you know, I wish I would have an angelic visitation. If you need one, God will send you one. Not because you asked for one. Now, you'll think you need one when you don't need one. Do you understand what I'm saying? But don't worry about it. You see a little teenage girl named Mary, and, and, and uh, he sends Gabriel to her. She needed an angelic visit to be the mother of, 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 of Jesus. And uh, then her husband needed an angelic visit because he's about to divorce her over that. Right? Joseph is going to divorce her. That's what it means, y'all. Put her away privately. It means divorce her because if he divorced her publicly, I told you, she would have been executed, stoned to death for adultery. And so that's why he loved her, but he didn't believe her story that an angel had come and she was pregnant now. And although he, she had never had uh, sexual relations, she was pregnant, you know, by God. He's like, well, I've heard some weird stuff, man, but that's right there or something. And Joseph was going to divorce her. And that same angel came and visited him and said, hey, you know, she's not lying to you. That is conceived in her womb is of God. And he'll be the savior of the world. His name will be Jesus and all that. And so, but all I'm saying is after, the, I always focus on this passage. After the Gabriel talked to Mary, it said, angel, angel departed. See, and after the angel departs, that's the big time how you're going to live. People say, well, I just need this or I need that. God knows what we need. He knows it better than we do. But I'm saying God would do whatever you, whatever you needed. And God's a good daddy. He knows what you need to hear. If you need a hearing aid, he'll provide one. Do you understand what I'm saying? God's not trying to make it mysterious. You hear all kind of crazy. The Lord moves in God's not moving no mysterious way. He gave you 66 books about himself. Read them. He's not trying to be mysterious. He wouldn't have gave you a Bible. You know, that's just a saying that goes around. That's not in the Bible. There's no verse that said the Lord moves in mysterious ways. That's just an old church saying that people just keep repeating. And they're just trying to tell you don't even worry about it. It's just ridiculous. God's not being mysterious. He gave his Holy Spirit to live on the inside of you, to be your counselor, your guide, your teacher, your comforter, to be there with you always. And, 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 and you know, you're not trying to get a prayer through the heavens somewhere because where is Jesus? He's right here. So if you want to talk to Jesus, don't look up. Look right there. Talk to him. He's right in your heart. That's what you said. I invited Lord in my heart. Well, where did he go? Why are you trying to knock a hole in the heavens to get your prayer mailed through, like mailing it through a blizzard or something? It's ridiculous. The stuff that religion does and how we visualize things, that God is there for you, he's with you, he's in you. And he will never leave you, and he'll never forsake you. Well, I don't feel him. Well, I don't feel gravity, but it's here. You know, so I'm saying, I mean, I don't, like I said, well, I feel gravity. I don't go around there and say I feel gravity, but it's working, it's present. But you can jump off a building and while you're going to the ground, holler, I don't believe in gravity. You're fisting to be in about 30 seconds, believer. You know? But it don't matter what you believe in. I mean, it does matter to you, but it don't change God's word. You can't, by your unbelief, change the word of God. You can, by your belief, take part of and benefits of and enjoy that, that God through grace has provided for you. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God praise for that. Let's stand to our feet. <clears throat> Y'all want to all go home and kill spiders today, I can tell. It's weird after that, I, you know, my little Addie Boo there, she, uh, she, she wanted a Spider-Man video game. She loves that, man. As long as it's on the video, she's cool with it. That girl do not like no bugs. No spiders. And, uh, you know, I think about how my heart is to protect, protect you know, my kids. Uh, 
And you have to come to the realization, sometimes it's hard for me to grasp that. God loves me more than that. In other words, more than I love my kids or grandkids, God loves me more than that. You believe that to be true? He really does. He really does. He loves you. He loves, you think of the most precious person in your life, living or past, that you loved, you'd do anything for. You'd go to any lengths, sacrifice anything. God loves you, you, grown you, more than that. And if you ever lose that, you need to recalibrate your heart. Because God really is love, and he does love you more than that. Well, why don't he do this? Every decision God's ever made and every act that he's ever done has been based out of love. God did not tell Adam and Eve in the garden that the day you eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I will kill you. God never said that. What we forget is sin kills. Sin itself kills. What killed Jesus on the cross? Did God kill him? If he did, he's a murderer. How could Jesus die? The one that walked on water. The one that raised the dead. Healed the sick. Cleansed the lepers. Opened blinded eyes. And caused the deaf to hear. What kind of nail would you have to use to drive into his body that could cause this man, this God-man, to die? That caused his life and his breath to ebb out of him? What was it that made Jesus die? Because him who knew no sin became sin. What killed Jesus it was not the Romans. It was not the nails. It was not even God. But it was sin. Sin killed Jesus. He bore the penalty and the weight and the judgment of sin. Sin kills. It destroys. It separates. It defiles. It corrupts. Sin kills. What killed Ananias and Sapphira? Sin. What killed Herod? Sin. Sin kills. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. The enemy, he doesn't come but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come. I have come that you have life. And life more abundantly than you've ever known it to be. Real life. Not fake life. Not false life. Life. Eternal life. Because if it's not eternal, it's not life. Not temporary life. Not band-aid on cancer. But I breathe my breath into you. God said, Adam and Eve, when you eat of this tree, you will die. He never said, I'll kill you. God said, death, that death came, that sin had been entered into the world, and death by sin. In other words, death wanted to get into this world, and it had to have a door called sin to get in. That sin... Opened the door for death. But Jesus became the door to life. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. I'm the only way back to the Father. I didn't come to punish you. I come to save you. I didn't come because you need to beg me to forgive you. I already forgive you. I'm just asking you to come to me now so I can give you life. Eternal life. Sin kills. Don't mess with it. Don't handle it. That's not what you've been made for. Sin has no dominion or power over you, Romans says. For sin shall not have dominion over you no more. God said, for the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Death. It's an enemy. God don't want you to be involved in it. Don't be involved in it. Turn to life. Turn to Jesus. Amen. I want my elders to come. I praise the prayer team. Come. We're here for you, man, if you want prayer. It's our honor. It's our privilege to pray with you about anything that's on your heart. The greatest thing that I think any man or woman or boy or girl can do is just put faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and make him the Lord of their life by putting their faith in the grace of God, trusting in him. And if you've never done that, man, I, I, I encourage you to do that. Please do that. Choose life. 
Don't choose death. Choose life. He loves you. He's already forgiven you. You ain't got to come up here and beg him for that. The Bible says itself, what shall I do? What must I do to be saved? He said, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's what the Bible says. Just believe on me. Believe on him for what? Believe on him for your righteousness, your goodness, your mercy. All that God has for you, just believe on him for that. Don't try to produce it yourself. You'll fail every time. Trust in him. Believe in him. That's all God's asking. All, all he's asking is that. He's provided the way. Put your faith in him. Amen. So we're here to pray with you. I'm going to dismiss uh, Grace Point Church. and We love you guys. God bless you. Hey, if you want prayer, please come this way. We're down here. We're waiting to pray with you. If you just want to talk to us about something, come on. We love you guys. God bless you. Go enjoy your Sunday. We love and appreciate you. God bless you.